A few days ago, Twitter banned and deplatformed Dr. Robert Malone, the father of modern mRNA technology, having been granted 10 patents for mRNA-related technology, which taken collectively is the foundation of modern mRNA technology. While Twitter never tells anybody why Twitter chose to deplatform a person, the last tweet that Dr. Malone put up contained a link to a very interesting video. I want to talk with you today about that video. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Dr. Malone's final tweet was a link to a video put out by the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. The video is utterly devastating to the means and mechanism used by Pfizer during its clinical trials, as well as how its reports were structured when submitted to the FDA. And I wish I could discuss all those details with you here today, but I can't. Because we're at a point now where platforms no longer care about the factualness of a presentation. They only care that it conflicts with an agenda, with a narrative that platforms have decided that they are going to protect via censorship. As an example, a week or 10 days ago, YouTube removed one of my videos. And they claimed that it was removed because it violated their policy on medical misinformation. Really? Okay. I'm not aware that I put out any misinformation. So I went back and I pulled up the original footage from that video and I watched it from the very first second till the very end. And I watched it with an eye to, did I make any factual errors? Did I in fact say something, perhaps inadvertently, that could be construed as misinformation? The answer was no, absolutely not. As I watched and stopped and paused and evaluated each segment of the video, Every single thing I said in the video was factual. I even quoted Anthony Fauci and other public health officials. In other words, it wasn't me saying it. They were saying it. And all I did was bring to the attention of my audience the fact that these are the things said by Fauci and various other public health officials. In other words, it wasn't removed because it was non-factual. It wasn't removed because it was, in reality, misinformation. It was removed because it was factual, hardcore facts. I quoted, I mean, how long would it take a fact checker to go back when I provide the exact wording used by Fauci and other public health officials? How long would it take a fact checker to go back and verify, yes, they did make those statements? So the reality is the video was removed because it was factual. And someone at YouTube decided that when uh, people of sound mind who have the ability to reason line all those facts up, it leads to a very apparent conclusion. And somebody at YouTube decided they didn't like the conclusion. It didn't matter that it was factual. It didn't matter that an intelligent person could come to that conclusion. They just didn't like the conclusion. Hence, despite the fact that the conclusion is rooted and based in fact, reality, data, and evidence, they called it misinformation and removed it. In reality, it's, it's hard to even factor how they use the word misinformation these days. For instance, in the case I just shared with you about the video being taken down, what it really is is protecting an establishment narrative by removing factual critiques as to the accuracy of that narrative. 
But back to the video that got Dr. Malone deplatformed. I'm going to start by talking about something that's well familiar to me, and then I'm going to bring it back around to his being deplatformed. As many of you know, I'm the author of Income Tax Shattering the Mist, which is an easy-to-understand breakdown of 130 years of law, which shows that Congress has never imposed the income tax on the vast majority of ordinary Americans. As an example, in my case, I haven't filed or paid income tax, federal income tax or state income tax since 1993, and here I sit, and I'm probably one of the most vocal advocates for the truth about the income tax in the nation. And it would be hard to estimate how many people have left the scam behind by actually understanding what Congress has really said, what the Supreme Court has really said, what internal IRS documents have really said, that internal documents they thought the public would never get their hands on, and so forth and so on. So with that as the framework, how much do you think the average accountant gets paid? How much do you think a person makes if they are an accountant and an attorney? How much do you think an attorney who's also an accountant makes if his or her area of expertise is structuring tax avoidance strategies for the ultra-wealthy? The answer to that last question is millions of dollars a year. But here's the important part. Those professionals so thoroughly outclass the IRS examiners that would look at the tax returns of those ultra-wealthy people, that those the returns of those ultra-wealthy people are virtually never examined. The IRS can assign a team of examiners to look at the tax returns of, say, a, a one particular ultra-wealthy individual. They could examine those returns for a year or more and never see what's really there. The salary of an IRS examiner with years of experience tops out at $96,000. There is absolutely no way those people can compete on the same playing field with an attorney who got his accounting uh, degree, as an example, from Georgetown and makes millions of dollars a year. Think of it this way. Imagine if you had a junior high school basketball team playing basketball against the Milwaukee Bucks. Not only would the junior high school team not win the game, they would probably not get on the scoreboard. And that's the same kind of distinction between the kind of professionals I'm talking about and the competency level of IRS employees. Just as there is considerable disparity between the abilities of the kind of tax professionals I just talked about and the government employees at the IRS, there is a similar competency level disparity between the kind of people that Big Pharma hires to conduct clinical trials and then structure the reports that go to the FDA versus the government employees who work at the FDA. In other words, the people who provide those services for various pharmaceutical companies, those services, again, being designing the clinical trials, operating the clinical trials, and putting together the reports that go to the FDA, those people thoroughly outclass, in terms of competency, the people at the FDA who are tasked with reviewing all of that. Let me share with you my impressions of the facts revealed in the video that presumably got Dr. Malone banned from Twitter. And as a side note, Dr. Malone appeared on the Joe Rogan podcast the very next day after the deplatforming, and he also presumes it was this video that got him deplatformed. The revelations in the video concerning the countless and serious problems with Pfizer's clinical trials 
how they were structured, how they were run, and the subsequent structuring of the report that went to the FDA leads me to believe that what Pfizer did is they put together, before they ever began the clinical trials, they put together a team of the experts, experts who understand how to design clinical trials to get where you want to go despite what might really be revealed in the clinical trial, who understand every loophole, dodge, and trick in the book for how to structure these clinical trials, how to collect the data and massage the data, and then how to structure the report in such a way that all of those known problems are obfuscated in the report that goes to FDA because all of this was done by these experts, experts who understand the system better than the people at the FDA who are reviewing all the data. It doesn't really matter if, say, the inspector general for the FDA conducts an investigation beginning in, I don't know, two and a half years from now, and, and in six months or 12 months after that, they release a report saying that Pfizer cooked the clinical trials, they cooked the collection of data, they cooked the final report, and the FDA was incredibly irresponsible and either failed to detect what Pfizer had done or knowingly, willfully, and intentionally looked the other way for the purpose of Pfizer getting its emergency use authorization for its vaccine so that it could make tens of billions of dollars. It doesn't matter if that conclusion has come to, say, four or five years from now, because Pfizer will have its 60, 80, 90, 100 billion dollars in the bank by then. It was also my impression that the omissions and misrepresentations provided in the documentation from Pfizer to the FDA were structured in such a way that it may be difficult for investigators down the road again, two, three, four, five years, to show criminal intent. However, given Pfizer's criminal background, that wouldn't seem to be a big concern. I think a crucial point to note is that neither Pfizer nor the FDA have attempted in any way to rebut even a single piece of data, the facts, the evidence provided in the video that got Dr. Malone deplatformed. So what specifically is in the video? Well, in order that I'm not deplatformed, I can't tell you. These are the corrupt times we live in. I'm not even going to put a link to the video in the notes. But... I will tell you what I'm going to do. Down in the notes, I'm going to give you the name of the channel on Rumble where the video appears, as well as the full, correct, and proper name of the video, so you can go to Rumble, do a search, and watch it for yourself. Or, if it's easier, I'm also going to include a link to my MeWe profile where I have pinned that video to the top of my profiles page. So you can just go to my MeWe profile. As soon as you bring it up, boom, it's going to be right there in your face. Just click on it and watch it. As I mentioned, the day after Twitter deplatformed Dr. Malone, he appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast. The interview is a bit more than three hours, and I want to tell you that it is riveting. If facts, data, and evidence matter to you, watch it or listen to it. Uh, Rogan, a few years back, signed an exclusive agreement with Spotify, so that's the only place you can catch it, and I'll put a link to that down in the notes. Speaking of valuing facts, data, and evidence, please help me to continue to be here for you, 
fighting back against censorship by going to drreality.news and grabbing a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Myths or Body Science. Let me quickly also speak to the credibility of these books. Income Tax Shattering the Mist has been out for 12 years, and the vast, 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 vast majority of ratings have been five stars out of five stars. I've never seen a rating less than four stars, and go out on a limb and say about 98% of the ratings that I've seen across the internet for Income Tax Shattering the Mist, about 98% are five star. When it comes to body science, 100% of the ratings that I have seen for body science are five star. Further, most of the people who read the kind of books that I write, they are the kind of people who do their own independent research. And many of the reviews of Income Tax Shattering the Mist and Body Science have said exactly that. The reviewers have said, I went through and I read the book and then I went through it again and I double-checked. I went out on the internet and I verified the correctness, the factualness of all of the information in Dave's books. The point being, when people who do their own verification research give books five out of five stars over years and years and years, you can be confident what you're receiving is factual, is credible. And not only can you get this amazing, life-altering information, but in doing so, again, you help me to continue to be here for you. Thanks.